Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me, I have Steve. Steve, welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks. Thank you for uh, agreeing to come on and uh, and talk to us today. Can you uh, just tell us a little bit about your life, marriage, ministry, and some of the current ministry products you're working on? Yeah. Um, well, I'll just start with kind of like what, what's going on right now. I live in New York City, and specifically work and do counseling in Midtown Manhattan. I'm the executive director of a biblical counseling practice called Crosstown Counseling. Um, My wife and I live on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. We attend Redeemer Presbyterian Church, uh, Lincoln Square Congregation, pastored by Michael Keller, Tim Keller's son. And we moved here about two years ago. Uh, We've been married for uh, going on about 10 years at this point. Right now, I've been in full-time ministry for about... uh, 12, 13 years or so, and mostly in in counseling-related contexts, but also in in pastoral ministry as well. And uh, yeah, grew up in Chicago and moved out to the East Coast for seminary and and have been on the East Coast ever since. It's good to get to know you a little bit, brother, and uh, thank you for sharing that. Can you uh, just tell us about your devotional uh, marriage conflict, talking as teammates? I know it's part of the 31-day devotional series from PNR. Can you share why you wrote it and how you hope it'll be received? Absolutely. We'd love to. I wrote this devotional after doing a a ton of marriage counseling, and not just marriage counseling, but actually premarital counseling as well. I have done uh, thousands, actually, thousands of hours of marriage counseling, and what I found is that there are certain habits, good habits, but more often than not bad habits, uh, that tend to repeat themselves from couple to couple uh, over time, and they all revolve around this concept of conflict management and and communication and and how to work through conflict as a as a team, um, as a, a a team that is focused on Jesus. Christ. And what I found, yes, was that there were just so, so many common denominators among these couples. And I found myself actually kind of just repeating myself over <laughs> so many times uh, talking to people about these issues that I felt like I needed to write a book about it and bring it to the broader Christian world, broader Christian community, and um, and help more people uh, through that. So the devotional, yeah, is uh, 31 days, and it consists of first off starting at the heart which is the epicenter of the mind the will the emotions our behavior everything that we do flows from the heart um, as Jesus very clearly says um, I talk about marriage conflict pitfalls these are the dangerous things that we can uh, dangerous traps I guess you could say that we can fall into and uh, some essential tools and essential um, I guess you want 
say, charges that we need to make to ourselves and uh, in order to succeed as couples and communicate in a way that brings God glory in a way that, that loves uh, the person that we are, are bound to, um, hopefully for the rest of our lives. And then uh, the devotional concludes with just talking about how to handle marriage conflict in the context of community. Marriage conflict tends to be one of those things that we hide and when marriages are, are not doing well or when we're, when we're struggling, uh, we tend to basically just keep it within the walls of our home um, as opposed to bringing it into the church and obviously with certain boundaries and certain wise ways of doing that. But uh, it is, it's, it's important to recognize that we are indeed members of the body of Christ and we as married people are also members of the body of Christ and we need to bring them into our lives and our families as well. And so, yeah, so that's a basic overall, I guess you could say, outline of the book. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that, that's that's a good answer. You, you said something really important about bringing your marriage into the church, and what what sort of things would you suggest that would be would be good ways for a couple to do that? Great question. I I think that we need to be very first off very careful about who are the people with whom we share what is going on in the context of our marriage because while we do want to bring it into the local church we want to be very careful to protect one another protect children to protect I don't want to use the word privacy that's just one of those words that I kind of have a knee-jerk reaction against because um, when I hear privacy I hear hiding but I think one of the one of the things that we want to realize is th- is that we want to have a circle of people that we trust who are godly wise people who are going to be for us. They're going to be on our side. They're going to be rooting for us, challenging us, and yet at the same time they want our good um, and they want us to thrive as a married couple. And so what I typically say is that you know the, the circle, the inner circle of people that you want on your team as you engage in conflict and as you just do marriage are going to be your pastor. It doesn't necessarily need to be the lead pastor or community assistant pastor, pastor, you know, of, of marriage and family, whatever it might be. Your community group uh, leader, or if you're community group leaders, then maybe the head of the community group leaders. And then maybe one or two very wise, uh, seasoned couples who have kind of been through some stuff, right? Who know the Bible really well, um, who are not just going to speak from their experience or not just going to speak from the Bible, but are going to speak from both the Bible and their experience and provide wisdom that would otherwise um, not be possible if you didn't combine those two. One thing I would probably not recommend or be very weary, very careful of is bringing family members into the, um, if you would say, the drama of marriage conflict, especially extended family members. Well, yes, family, extended family members, because uh, they're biased, right? Your mother-in-law is going to be biased towards your wife, your, you know, and your parents are probably going to be biased towards you. Biased counselors really provide good counsel. They usually are, are tainted and skewed towards the person that you know for whom they have bias. And so I'm very cautious about bringing 
uh, parents, in-laws, brothers, sisters, any any people from your family into the serious the, the serious conflict that exists between you and your spouse. It can create you know just a tainted lens through which your your loved ones view your spouse. And if it gets bad enough, and if enough gossip is shared, that lens can become somewhat opaque, and and your spouse is seen as somewhat of an outcast or um, outside of the outside of the, the family. I guess you could say. And, and that's not what we want. Mm. That, that's a really good answer. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest issues in marriages, and I've seen this doing men's ministry for a long time and other types of ministry, um, is is just the importance of open and honest communication. Why is that so vital in marriage? Well, I mean, first off, I think it's biblical. I mean, I, being one flesh is is obviously a reference to the physical nature of you know being bound to your spouse physically, sexually, if you will. But being one flesh is not you know it's so much more than, than, than that. Being one flesh is sharing your hearts, sharing your soul, sharing your desires, your dreams, your struggles, your trials, your tribulations, everything that is going on in your life. And you need to be able to talk to this other person if they are going to uh, truly know you. And that I'm convinced is one of perhaps the two things that we desire most as human beings to be known but also to be loved to be known and to be loved if we're known but not loved then we're rejected if we're loved but we're not known uh, then it's shallow and superficial but to be known and love is ultimately one of our heart's greatest desires and if, if we're going to be known and loved that means we need to be able to communicate and have open and honest communication with um, with our spouses and to do so in a holy uh, healthy helpful way um, that breathes life into each other as opposed to um, bringing death uh, to each other as Proverbs 18 says death and life are the power of the tongue so that's really good yeah I, w- I would say just just one other thing in addition to that is it builds trust you know you can't you can't uh, have marriage without trust and I, that's why I think open and honest communication is so so critical you know you want your spouse to trust you you got to be open you got to be honest you got to be a person of integrity um, and and how are you going to develop the relationship uh, friendship like we're going to talk here in a minute if you if you can't trust one another you know friends have to trust one another spouses are friends that so you have to trust one another yeah and the great irony, I think, is that you think that confessing your sins is going to, or confessing things in ways in which you've you know, fallen short, or even ways in which you've broken trust, confessing those to your spouse is going to push them away and make them trust you less. But it, it's not the sins that typically you know, breed mistrust. In They, they can obvious, but it's far more the cover-up or the hiding of the sins that breed mistrust in a relationship and in a marriage in particular. I often say, like, it's it's not, it's not the sin, it's the cover-up of the sin. You've heard that probably a thousand times. So we need to be open about the ways in which, you know, God is, is blessing us and doing incredible things, but we need to be open about the ways in which we are falling short and doing so uh, breeds trust because then the other person is not left asking themselves, themselves the question of, like, what don't I know, right? So I agree with you. Yeah, that's that's also that was that's a really good answer. How important is friendship in marriage, and what advice do you have for couples in growing in friendship with one another? Friendship's everything. 
uh, in the meaning of marriage and in a lot of uh, sermons by, by Tim Keller, he says that friendship is the essence of what marriage is. Um, obviously, there's some benefits to it that don't exist in other friendships, but friendship is so absolutely critical. And there's, there's, it's remarkably underrated when you are dating. Here, here's why it's so important uh, is because when you're dating, let's just be honest, it's about, it's about adrenaline, it's about butterflies, it's about looks, it's about romance, it's about sort of that high that, that you get when you see that person. Um, it's, it's consumeristic. It's about a lot of things that tend to vanish when you get married and are married for a certain amount of time. The dates that you go on every other night when you're dating uh, tend to diminish uh, because of children and time and constraints, the looks that drew you to your spouse over you know decades tend to obviously diminish. Uh, life takes over, and it's not as sexy, if you will, not in a romantic sense, but in a general sense. Marriage isn't as sexy as it is when as dating is. It's not as butterflies in your stomach. And what you are then left with is uh, basically a best friend. Like I said, with, with some benefits, I'm not going to lie, but you want to live the rest of your life with your best friend. And what I mean by best friend, I mean someone that you can be, be completely open, honest, transparent, unconditionally accepted, not unconditionally approved of, but unconditionally accepted. You want to laugh with your spouse. And I mean, I cannot overstate how important laughter is <laughs> in a marriage because life is hard, honestly, and there's a lot of suffering. Suffering in the Lord. There's a lot of suffering in our marriages, and sometimes we just need to laugh. We just need to, to hold each other and watch a funny movie, tell a funny joke, just acknowledge the humor that exists in the world and our children and our pets and whatever it might be. And it just takes the edge off of things. And that's what best friends do: is they learn how to laugh with each other. You want to be around. You want to love being around that person for for your life. Because guess what? You're gonna be around them for your life. Um, and that's what friends are. They're people who love the company of one another. They don't always get along. They don't always like each other. But there is this sort of constant, I'm not going anywhere um, in the ups and the downs. We're always going to be friends. And it just sort of, you know, it's just a much more realistic portrayal of what life looks like with a husband or a wife. You see marriage in Hollywood. Oh, actually, no, you don't see marriage really in Hollywood. <laughs> that's, that's, you don't, actually. Now that I say that, married couples rarely, uh, really, rarely make that the headlines, and if they do, it's typically because they're splitting up. Relationships you do see in in Hollywood, and they're typically you know romance driven, passion driven, and they're not friendship driven because friendships don't necessarily make headlines. But in real life, a a Christ centered spiritual friendship is really the building blocks one of the, the building blocks of a successful lifelong marriage. Yeah, that what you just said is so important. It's one of the reasons why, you know, I was we were I was heavily involved in our previous church in Idaho and we moved here about two and a half years ago and we were coming and going. I mean, we still had date night or whatever, but there would be nights when I was coming home at 10, 10.30. I was teaching a men's Bible study. I'm tired. I worked all day. My wife worked all day. You know, we, we would pass each other driving. And, and this... 
there'd be several nights a week that that we really we would talk but we wouldn't talk you know what i mean like we wouldn't have substantive conversation and i just realized when we moved here it was so refreshing just to sit at the table every night and not have to go out um to do something i I didn't have that you know and i just realized you know what i my priority i i think that i had I, i was doing good things but if i had to do it over again it probably wouldn't have done as many things if that makes sense and i think that that's important because i think that we all are so busy you know whether you're in ministry or not you know life you know kids family uh problems stress um but you gotta prioritize what's most important you know and that that's you know obviously the lord and then your your spouse and you know your kids and having good we we talk about these things but it's so important like you said for lifelong healthy marriage to have this open honest communication and it it takes effort it takes uh time it takes you know these things and 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 it's just so so important you know it's i don't i don't know what i would do without that time it it's something that i have to have every day now i don't know why i didn't prioritize that as much before i mean it wasn't that we didn't talk either it was just it's just more it's like regular 30 45 minutes of just talking sharing about what what's happening in our lives and our hearts um just really open honest vulnerable communication so couldn't agree more What what are some of the best ways to resolve conflict in marriage that's an incredibly challenging question very good question i think what i'll what i'll probably talk about are just some some you know some principles uh i mean every conflict is different conflict is not necessarily bad conflict simply means that you have two people with different backgrounds and different opinions and uh and you know different families and different upbringings and different everything and different days and different feelings at the moment and and they don't see eye to eye on something and they're communicating about it that's essentially what conflict is so i think one of the things you need to, to recognize first is that conflict's not bad and not to run away from it and not to leave from it some you know and i talk about this and, and i'm not going to go into a bunch of detail on these because um, these are a lot of the days in uh, in the devotional, but I think one principle that we want to always take into consideration is that you you know, and this is part of the title, is simply that you're on the same team. And what I mean by that is, I can't tell you the number of times I've been in, in counseling sessions with couples, and they enter into my counseling office, and you can just tell that they have basically put me on the seat of judge of the judge, and they entered the room with the agenda of proving to me who was right mm. and who. Right, and that the other person was wrong, and yeah, you know, typically what what I'll say to that is like this is first off, uh, like we're not going to solve anything. The goal of this, if the goal of this is to prove to me who's right or wrong, then you guys are wasting um, your time, you're wasting your money. I mean, in many ways, uh, in circumstances, but and you're going to come out of this even if you do find that you are the winner, then all of a sudden your spouse is the loser, and your marriage is no better off. In fact, it's actually worse off. And so recognizing that as you are embracing and embarking on conflict, the goal is is to act as one team. I think about sports, and you might have two players on the same team who disagree on how to win the game and what strategy should you know be taken to, to win the game. But ultimately, they both want to win the game. They don't want to defeat each other. They want to defeat the other team. And in this case, who do, who do we want to defeat? Well, we probably want to defeat the devil. But you don't have 
two players on the same team competing against each other, that would be, you know, this would be absolutely futile points. And yet so many times people um, enter in to, to counseling and to marriage conflict trying to basically fight their spouse, defeat their spouse, and prove to them that they're right. And the irony is that they're never going to prove that because the other person's probably too proud to admit that they are wrong. Uh, and so it's somewhat futile. I think a couple of other principles that I'll highlight are, first off, that, you know, I mean, you cannot overstate how important it is to listen to your spouse. And I know that's something remarkably cliche, but to, you know, there's there's a, a metaphor that I use in the devotional called conversation, uh, plain, plain catch. Now, if you look at a, you know, maybe my I'm a little biased since most of the couples that I talk to are in conflict and, and are kind of at each other's throats in, in counseling. But I think we can all probably attest to the experiences of uh, what I call conversation ping pong, where just picture the, the, the ping pong ball being your words and you're just swatting it back, 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 back and forth over the net of your living room, your kitchen or whatever. And you're not even pausing to internalize what the other person is saying. You're certainly not you know, humbly looking at your own heart and examining how they might be right. You are you, you are preparing to basically swap the ball right back at them, usually in some type of attacking way. And the other person is doing exactly the same thing. So you're just swatting a ball back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and nothing's, nothing's getting accomplished. But I think the idea of playing catch, so having the ball be more like a, we'll just consider it like a, I don't know, like a, like a softball. And you toss it to the other person, you hold on to it. In other words, you, you listen and you internalize what it is that your spouse actually just said. And you allow the Lord to speak to you and and then you you process how to speak back and then you toss that ball back gently and allow them to catch it, to hear your words, to internalize them, to listen, to process with God how to respond and then toss that ball back. It's a much slower game, it requires patience. Uh, but it results in much more peaceful conversation and um, it kind of thwarts that whole, you know, talking over each other, talking into each other, interrupting each other. Just like I said, playing conversation ping pong. I think that's a, a really, you know, important thing to understand it. And, you know, it's, it's rooted in scripture, right? I mean, everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, James one nineteen, And, you know, I think about all of the wisest people in my life, the, you know, the, the the older, you know, pastoral figures or wise professors or whoever they might be. And I, it's interesting because one of the common denominators among those wise people is that when you speak to them, I found that they look at you and then they pause and you can see that they internalize and they are doing it. They're internalizing what you're saying and they're thinking about it before just blah, responding right back. And they're, they're contemplating, what is the best way to respond? What, what is the wisest way to respond? How should I go about thinking about what they just said? And I, yeah, and then they speak back and you're like, wow, yeah, they are very, very wise. So uh, those are just two of, gosh, so many different principles. And that's the point of the book. I mean, I don't want to give you 31 principles of healthy communication because then you wouldn't read the book. <laughs> but uh, those are just a couple that I think might give you a little flavor of, of 
uh, some of the tools that I talk about in, in the devotion. I think that's so good, and and you're so right. I know, I know, for in my marriage, just listening to my wife, you know, and taking, like you said, thinking about it, taking it seriously. And I'm I'm a very analytical. I have an analytical and very logical mind, and so I'll think about something and I'll take it to the absolute to absolute end until it is nothing, until it's broken down into the smallest kernel of you know central truth or whatever. And I've had to learn though that I need to just listen to my wife and I've and I have to also you know take what she says seriously and I find that the more that I do that it's um, really really I'm just amazed by her wisdom uh, that God's given her and you know that that makes me trust her more it makes me love her more it makes me value her more it makes me treasure her more I just I just so appreciate when she has something to say I'm just like wow I just sit back and I listen and I'm just like wow I, I just love this woman because she just amazes she amazes me like with the depth of her when we talk about theology sometimes even I'm just like wow you know we've been married 13 and a half years and I'm just like wow that, that amazes me some some of the things that, she, that come out of her mouth I'm just like that that's incredible to me and I think if we would especially as men I think we, if we would take that posture you know we're not not leading our wife in that we're actually loving her in, in, a, in a very practical way and um, I think we would find yeah we would find man my wife knows more than I than I think she does and that's amazing you know we can be encouraged by that yeah i'm absolutely utterly convinced that my wife is exponentially wiser than i am ironically probably a far better counselor than i am and she has absolutely zero training <laughs> in it um, i listen to some of the things that come out of her mouth not just to me but but to other people and i listen to her counsel and disciple women and um she's a deacon at our church and i and i overhear the things that come out of her mouth i'm like wow she actually is a superior superior counselor uh, to who I am to, 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 to me and so I hear you man I hear you and it's a blessing to be married to um, a woman who loves the Lord and a woman who um, is filled with the Holy Spirit and able to communicate in wise ways like that yeah amen amen what, what advice do you have for pastors and ministry leaders on helping to cultivate you know healthy marriages and, and equip married couples in our local churches I think that it's a great question I, Here's the, the, one of the problems with, um, I think one of the problems with the local church today, um, well, at least in my circles, and I might be wrong, and it might not be this way in other circles, but I'm, I'm in the, in, um, you know, I'm a, I'm in Presbyterian, but I'm in New York City, a little bit of different Presbyterian um, vibe, highly, highly church planted, planting oriented, super church planting oriented, which is fantastic. We need churches. We need churches in every city and every neighborhood and you know now one of the the trade-offs that comes with that is that you know for every church that gets planted you need a, a lead pastor you probably need an assistant pastor and um and and it's much more of an apostolic ministry much more evangelistic much more pathetic as opposed to shepherd and that's what you know caring for marriages really is it's you're shepherding your flock you're, you're shepherding and, and taking care of the relationships that exists 
that exist within the context of your church. Now, here's the problem is that when you're planting churches and planting churches and planting churches, and, and you grow to a certain point, but then you plant because that's what you do when you grow to a certain point, then uh, you're unable to really hire those people who are in charge simply of shepherding flock and, and focusing their energy, their time, their talents, their treasures on things like marriage and premarital uh, counseling. And so, so this shepherding gets outsourced. And who does it get outsourced to? Well, it gets outsourced, outsourced mostly to professional counselors like myself. When I say professional, I just mean those who do full-time counseling. And there's this relative sort of disconnect that exists between you know marriage counseling and the healing and helping of your marriage and the local church. And so it's like care for your marriage takes place outside the local church, but everything else takes place inside the local church, like the theology and small groups and all of that that stuff now uh so so what is what does that mean i actually think that maybe we maybe a little controversial here <laughs> but but maybe we need to take the foot a little bit off the gas and just planting church planting church planting church planting churches and and spend a little bit more time and maybe more resources and a little bit more hiring on pastors who are focused on shepherd and and really focus on shepherding and not just the name only those who are going to be doing marriage counseling so that you don't have to outsource it to expensive counselors um and and marriage counseling is very expensive and it's rarely if it's gospel-centered biblical covered by insurance and so to be you know i have a privilege and the honor of working at a large church in chicago that had the resources um to hire a pastor of counseling that was my title and i did all marriage counseling and the premarital counseling for the church um, and a lot of individual counseling. And what that did was it provided a connection between what was happening in the counseling room and what was happening in the rest of the body of the church. Like we could talk about sermons, we could talk about small group, we could talk about all the other components of, of the church and then getting involved in the local church and we were always on the same page. And and it also provides a theological consistency so you don't have a marriage counselor who's out there and you don't know what they think theologically you don't know what the counsel is that they're providing um, you don't know where they're coming from necessarily from a biblical theological lens and so uh, it, you know, sometimes it's hit or miss when you're, when you're outsourcing that marriage care, that marriage counseling and so I would say that one piece of advice would be to really think twice about bringing someone on your staff who can can focus on the care of your sheep. And if you have a church and you cannot, you know, let me just put it this way. If you if you have a church and you can't afford to hire a shepherd to take care of your flock full time, including marriage, you might not be ready to plant another church. And so I think we just need to, we need to go back to um, the times in which we had pastors that were solely focused on, on um, relational care within the body. Um, that's one piece, I think. Uh, one piece of counsel and just making marriage one of those things that is talked about frequently from the pulpit and not just in uh, in this sort of you know ethereal uh you know theological realm but rather like, allow people to know that there are messy marriages in the congregation and marriage is messy and to provide a realistic understanding of marriage it needs to be talked about from the pulpit it needs to be talked about it in seminars it needs to be talked about in small groups it needs to be incorporated in the life that church it's the most important human relationship that exists and if the most important human relationship that exists is not being 
talked about in the most important human institution, arguably the church, then there's some disconnect going on there. But too many churches that I've been a part of, or at least visited, um, it's a sort of like a side ministry that if you really want to, I mean, you got to kind of go out of your way to get involved in it. And there's sort of this stigma that if you're going to a large group of people, um, you know, who are struggling in marriage and there's something wrong with you, right? So I just think we need to destigmatize the, the struggles that exist in all marriages and make it a much more, uh, a much higher priority in terms of hiring staff to care for those those people who are married. Yeah, that that's that's a good word. And I, and I don't think what you said is controversial. In, in fact, I'll, I'll take it one more step. I, I would say to my pastor friends, and many pastors do listen to this, um, I would say, I would say to them, if you are going to, if you are going to, you know, outsource uh, the pastoral care and, you know, marriage counseling, I think, I think at minimum, you have to get to know that person. You know, do they share, like you said so well, do they share your theological commitments um, and that of the church or, or not? And if not, then you need to find that out because you need to know if you're going to shepherd the people and you're going to outsource that. Uh, it's your responsibility to know as the pastor what they're going to say and what their theology is and how they're going to get shepherded and cared. And I think also you'd have to follow up with them and the counselor to find out what's happening. So I, I would say that you're, you're, what you said isn't controversial at all. I think that it's actually very wise and very helpful. Well, uh, where can people uh, go to, to find out more about your work online, either on social media or otherwise, brother? Yeah, great question. Thanks. Um, so I am I'm not a huge social media person. <laughs> Uh, just for personal reasons, I don't know, sanctification reasons, whatever reasons. Um, but I do have a, uh, a couple of websites that I can point you to. Um, one is crosstowncounseling.org. So it's just basically how it's how it um, sounds, crosstown, one word, counseling.org. Uh, That's a bit about about the, the ministry. I also have a personal website in which I post about um, the, the books that I've, I've written, the articles that I've written and I'm writing um, other stuff about me uh, and my personal ministry endeavors. That's just stevehoppy.com S-T-E-V-E-H-O-P-P-E and you can learn a lot about me there Um, and uh, I'm I'm on Facebook and there's you know a Crosstown Counseling Facebook page Uh, so that's another place where you can uh, contact me get to know me reach out to me Um, I'm not afraid to to reveal my my email address it's just simply steve at crosstowncounseling.org and uh, if you have questions or want to follow up or even if you want to pursue counseling I know we live in a, in a time uh, right now where virtual counseling is the norm and in-person counseling is somewhat uh, uh, dangerous I guess you could say and probably not happening in many parts of the country in many parts of the country and so I'm seeing people from all around the country and all around the world right now virtually um, and so if you do uh, need marriage counseling or if you need individual counseling in any form uh, feel free to reach out at crosstalkcounseling.org and there's you know it's very easy to navigate in terms of setting up a you know consultation or something like that too so um, but yeah uh, the book Marriage Conflict Talking as Teammates the 31 Day Devotional is available on Amazon uh, and you know basically all the other sites too PNR Publishing was the, the publisher of the book um, their website and you can pretty much find it on any site that you would normally go to for, for books my other book uh, is called Sipping Salt Water How to Find Lasting Satisfaction in a World of Thirst it's a book about a dollar 
idolatry from a unique angle, uh, sort of a complimentary book to Tim Keller's Counterfeit Gods. And uh, that's available on Amazon and all the other sites as well. So, uh, yeah, do a lot of writing for the Biblical, Biblical Counseling Coalition, the Gospel Coalition, um, and uh, and other sites here and there. So that's those are probably the best ways to learn a little bit more about me and to access some of the resources and some of the things that I've put out there. That sounds good, brother. Well, uh, just as we wrap up this conversation, you want to give us a few takeaways? A few takeaways. Yeah, I would say run the race first. If you're married, run the race. Uh, there are going to be highs, there are going to be lows. And more often than not, there are going to be uh, mediums. What I mean by that is just simply um, times where you just feel like you're just kind of uh, coasting. But don't coast. Uh, don't coast in your marriage. If you take your foot off the gas, you are going to probably uh, revert as opposed to just simply staying where you are. Um, so keep your foot on the gas. Keep working on your marriage um, and do so for the long haul. Marriage is not meant to be the 60-year bliss. Uh, that 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 bliss that you know that bliss that never ends is is waiting for us uh, in the new heavens and the new earth. Marriage is not meant to be the new heaven and the new earth. Marriage is is meant to prepare us for the new heavens and the new earth and and to be used as an agent of sanctification by God. And so don't run away from it. Um, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be good. And that's just like any any means of sanctification that God has in our life. It's often very hard. It's often very difficult. Sometimes sometimes you want to run away. And I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes you just want to throw in the towel and run away. Um, completely understandable, but don't. Uh, and obviously, I'm not talking about situations of abuse or other, you know, adultery or whatever. That's a whole other topic that we're not going to talk about in this podcast here today. I'm talking about just normal everyday life, even when it when, when it's hard and there is just normal everyday conflict. Don't check out. Stay checked and uh, pursue your spouse as you pursue the Lord. Pursue the Lord first. First and foremost, because the more you fall in love with Jesus, the better spouse that you are going to be and the better, better your marriage is going to be. Well said, brother. I, I so appreciate the time that you've given to us today. You've, you've uh, given very thoughtful, biblical, and uh, very wise answers. So I very much appreciate that. And uh, just pray Christ's richest blessings on you as you uh, continue to counsel and care for the people of God. Thank you so much, Derek. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.